0: Welcome to the Dead Ass Podcast. Um, well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dead Ass Podcast. I am your host, Bryzy, and today we've got a special guest on us uh, with us, uh, Shagger. How are you, sir?
1: Just fine, thank you very much.
0: That's good. Look, I appreciate uh, you coming in and and. Essentially, capturing some stories of your life, and I mean that's the part of the whole podcast and what we do: capture people's stories, capture their eulogies, per se, you could say in a way. Um, and you know, um, you've got quite an extensive history and education, and in the force, and all the bits and pieces. So, I'd love to hear some of it um, if you don't mind, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, so pretty much like we take kick it off from. Um, you know, maybe where you grew up and what you did and stuff like that and then sort of leads into where, you know, what you did for a job and all the bits and pieces and some of the stories that go with it. Oh, yeah.
1: Very well. Mm. So well, over to you, sir. Well, we'll start at the very beginning. <laughs> okay, yeah, sounds I, good. I don't I love like it. to publicise this too much, but no. I was actually born in Sydney. Oh, well, were you? Yes, I, I had my family, two brothers married two sisters. Okay, yeah. So my, oh, m- yeah, my okay. mother and a sister buried Jim and his brother. brother. Yeah, yeah. And they bought a house together at 28 Remley Street, Lakemba, which mm. is down near Canterbury. And um, by the time they'd been there three or four years, they had four kids under five. Wow. Between them. Yeah. And it got to the stage where a mild man more or less said, listen, Ed, I think we might have to move out of here because if we stay much longer, we'll end up never speaking to each other again. Yeah. So my old man decided that he was going to make a move and move to Queensland. Yep. So he left and went to Queensland until he found a job. Very clever man, my old man. He, uh he, a bit soft for business. Sure. He, he was an electrician by trade but never actually got his papers because he had a fallout with his boss and oh, yes. told yep. him to fuck off. <laughs> and uh, so – he rewired our house. He was a very good electrician yeah. actually but never had papers. So he had a, a business as a courier work. He sold fruit and vegetables for a while in Sydney. He had a fruit run but my mother made him give that up because he he was too soft. If people couldn't pay, he'd give it away. It was costing him <laughs> money. So, so anyway, he went to Brisbane and he got a job as a proofreader at the Sunday Truth. Okay, yeah, sure. And uh, – the bloke interviewed him, said more or less, uh, What makes you think you can be a proofreader? Yeah. And the old man handed him a dictionary and said, There you go. So he went and hunted through the dictionary and said, You know, anti disestablishmentarianism. Well, the old man spelt it and told him what it meant. And then he picked, he said, You hide. So he did that for the next wow. 10 years or so. Yeah. But, but uh, so we moved to Queensland when I was five. We stayed at Shorncliffe. Yep. which is just the other side of Sango, great place for a kid to grow up. I spent, from the time I was about 10 or so, most of my life in the creek, rowing a boat, crabbing and fishing. Yeah, nice. And then uh, I got married at 17 and had my first kid. I got called out of a Maths 1 lesson or a Maths 1 exam to see the birth of my first boy. Who, wow. He'll uh, be 48 this year. Yep. Oh, sorry, he was 48. Shit, two days ago, <laughs> I should have rung him. Uh, but uh, yes. oh, <laughs> anyway, and uh, I, I somewhere along the track ended up with Mrs. Mark 2, So yep. I now have between us eight children. Wow, which are bleeding me dry. <laughs> Just when you think you got rid of them, they keep coming back like flies at a picnic. Little buggers. <laughs> but yes, so between Mrs. Mark two and I, we have eight of them, and. I, uh, at 17, yep. having a small child and I, I was looking at, well, what do I do to make enough money to yeah, of course. keep a family? Yeah, And I almost took a job. I was almost the assistant curator at the Queensland Museum. Really? So I, I would have been in the reptile section, but I did a job interview and uh, only took one applicant there to 2,000 or so every couple of years. And yeah. they, offered me the job of a cadetship, but the wages were shit. What I didn't realise at the time was you were guaranteed three months a year collecting specimens and you were on TA and other allowances, which uh, would have been double what I was getting when I uh, opted to take the teacher's college fund. So I ended up at teacher's college on a Commonwealth scholarship and yep. worked on $32 a fortnight for a few years and yep. in between worked at the Olympic tyre and rubber company, TA and at... Uh, the fertiliser factory, pink and bar, painting houses and various other odd jobs till I got through teacher's college. So and just then, to make that bit of extra money for yourself? Yeah, well, that was the great You could live on, back then, 32 bucks, but you get an unexpected electricity bill or something like that, it was handy to have a little gravy on the cake. So, yeah. <laughs> so you, you needed a little backup system. So every yeah. holidays I used to work. And then... I got posted to Biloela. I was the first itinerant phys ed teacher in Biloela. I used to have a run there. Yeah, radio. yeah. So that's my first connection with this end of Queensland. Ah, Fangool. okay, radio. yep. And uh, I spent, well, three years at Biloela. I used to do Biloela, Fangool, Great Cliff, Gavidjan, Jambin'. Prospect Creek and Mount Murchison on a bit of a run. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, it was, it was an interesting place. I had some friends up. I actually went to the wedding of one of my former students from there. I, Did you really? Yeah. You know, kids write you letters when you're a teacher, and yeah. you write them a letter back, and they write you another one, and then eventually they forget about it, and you go, "Thank God for that." <laughs> but. I hadn't heard from Bernie for about ten years since he wrote the last letter, and he rang me up out of the blue. How he got my phone number, I have no idea. Yeah, sure. And invited me up. I was actually at his wedding, so you never, I like I said, you never lose track with some of them. You definitely he, leave some impression on some yeah, of them, don't you? you? Bump into here. Yeah. Well, he used to be him and another two young fellas. Bloody Ken Ealy's. That's Ian Ealy's younger brother and a fellow by the oh, name of Raymond Linky. Every Saturday morning I'd wake up and they'd be sitting on my fence and then I would go up to the storeroom at the school and find them a football or a basketball or something like yeah. that and go, there you are now, piss off. <laughs> I'd get them started on a game and then they'd drop it back at tea yeah. time and I'd see them on Monday morning basically. But from there I went to the Sunshine Coast teaching. After 10 years, had a few voice troubles. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I moved into the classroom, I got impeached from grade one because they reckoned my kids grew up too quickly. We didn't walk hand in hand in lines. I used to say, right, kids, I'll be at the library in five minutes, you'll be there quiet and lined up. They would go. (laughs) They would do it, yeah. And they were extremely independent little buggers. Yeah. That's what the other grade one ladies didn't like, I think. They'd Mm. come up, sir, have a good a pencil. I'd go, I'm not your mother, beg, borrow or steal one, just get back to work. (laughs) Wasn't a kid in my class that couldn't tie their shoelaces yeah. by the sixth
0: week. And that and that make that's you know, that makes sense, but because I remember I had a teach and this is proof in the pudding because I my, the teacher I remember is my grade four teacher, Mr. Quarters, at Allenstown. He was that he was that old school teacher, you know. And he is the one that I went from Canberra coming up here and I'll never forget it. He came up to me one day, I think it was about a week in it. He said, Enough for that um, Enough of that handwriting you're doing, cursive writing there. And I met it that one day he made me change it and then by the end of it, because of the way that he was, his teaching method, it, it got me through and I ended up getting like straight A's. That was like the only time I ever got one and he, he was the toughest teacher but he's the one that imprinted on me and
1: it worked. It yeah. did. Uh, well, we, uh, we actually took a 100 grade ones up Coolum Mountain yeah, right. The boss said to me, oh, look, oh, I don't know if, I don't think the parents would agree to that, he said, but, you know, he didn't want us to go. Yeah. And, uh, I said, well, here's the notes. I've sent them home. They've been approved. We're going on Monday. He <laughs> nearly died on the spot. The only injury, we had a scraped knee. Yeah. yeah. But I took a 100 grade ones at the top. We had red frogs and green snakes. And yeah. We pointed out the landmarks of the Sunshine Coast. And yeah learned about a compass and all sorts of interesting things on the top and then we took them down again and they all survived. Yeah. Uh, And by the time I'd had them for a year, uh, you know how they send a school note home with the grade 7s? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, well, they used to send them home with my grade 1s because they know that it'd actually get (laughs) theirs. So they they were more dependable than their older brothers and sisters (laughs) anyway. So I got sacked from grade 1, then I was the jive of 5 for a... Yeah, And then I went to grade seven and they just, uh, they basically gave me all the kids no one else wanted, which was oh, right right. fine. Yep. So they would start off with 36 kids each, I'd have 23 at a amountable at the end of the oval where they yep. couldn't cause too much trouble. The end of the first term they'd weed out their troublemakers and send them to me and I got all the ones that no one else wanted and uh, it was heaven for me because my idea of board would be the most sort of... An average bunch of kids drive me mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. I used to tame them. I remember once I, uh, I became a legend in my lunchbox with a single action. I had this kid, little Benny. Don't write on that paper till I finish writing on the board. we were doing a test. Yeah. Kept picking up his pencil. I'm watching him out of the corner of my eye. So I had a piece of chalk in my hand and I flung it at his head. <laughs> And I sent the pencil cartwheeling out of his hand and the whole world went quiet. Every kid in the classroom, did you see that shit? Anyway, by the time I had lunchtime, we had every kid in the able was pointing out, that's the teacher who can knock. <laughs> And the unfortunate part about that is I could never throw another piece of chalk for the rest of my life because... It would shatter the legend, but I, yeah, that's right. The one and done. Every now and then, I used to cock the arm as if I was going to know everyone in the class and stop. It was a wonderful tool of control, I can tell you. But yes, I did achieve legendary status with that. But as I said, I, I used to have to kick the board and stuff, or I couldn't throw chalk anymore. It, it took a lot of the fun out of the classroom for me. But anyway, so after uh, after. Fifteen years as a school teacher. Well, actually, after about 12, mm. they, they did away with school inspectors, which I thought was a good thing at the yeah. time, but I later realised it probably wasn't because uh, it got to the stage where they restructured the public service and uh, yeah. every principal was yeah. put on a band. And if you're a band 10 principal, then you're basically on the same band as the regional director. And unfortunately made you virtually untouchable. Oh, okay. So you could completely fuck a school and there was nothing anyone could do about it. Yeah. I had a principal that completely destroyed her. Oh, really? That's uh, a shame. The most cohesive staff I'd ever seen in about two years. Uh, I used to dread going to school for a while because I would wonder who I would find crying in the staff room that yeah, morning. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah. And I didn't mean first-year teachers. I mean Season. old fellas that have been teaching grade 7 for 25 years. Uh. Tear. So I used to storm into the principal's office and the secretary would jump up and go for a walk on the aval and I would <laughs> slam the door and I would lean over his desk and give him some stick for a while, <laughs> while and, then, and eventually I got completely disillusioned with the education department. Yeah. And I thought, God, I'm not qualified to do anything else. But at that time, it was the end of the Fitzgerald inquiry. Uh, okay, yeah, so, sure. uh, so I thought, well, I had a couple of mates who were coppers at that stage. I mm. could never have been a copper coming out of school because I, <clears throat> I knew a couple of kids that went straight to the police service and they were both absolute wankers. <laughs> All they wanted to do was sit at the end of the street and write their grandmother a ticket. Oh, know, okay, to, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, I must say something for the system because neither of them lasted longer than eighteen months. And, oh, uh, so they,
0: they weeded them out. Oh, that's good.
1: But twenty odd years later, I sort of went, had a few mates who were coppers, and I went, uh, "Why not?" It was yeah. the end of the Fitzgerald inquiry, and they am looking for an educated police force. Yeah, of course. And I scraped in at five foot eight and a half as for a height requirement, <laughs> so I threw my hat in the ring, and. Uh, Heard nothing back for 12 months. Didn't even get to say, thank you very much for your kind application. And I went, ah, oh, all right then. Yeah, right. But by that stage, the union rep at the school I was working at had decided for my own good that I needed a transfer and they dep- I'd applied for a transfer a couple of times and so the principal had blocked that. Oh, really? Why would they do that? Why they? Because... I think he wanted to crack me like uh, a Okay, it was, it, was like it was like
0: a challenge for him or something. Or whatever. Possibly, yeah. possibly.
1: Yeah. But uh, He used to come to my room and I'd go fuck off. There yeah. you, go. you can't speak to me that on the principle. I go, do you want me say so loud enough for the kids to hear them and get out? So <laughs> we had an understanding eventually. Obviously, I had a few run-ins with him. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, they decided that, uh, and yeah. I ended up with a transfer. He did. And about a week after my transfer came through, I got a letter back from the police service to say ah. because of the results of the Fitzgerald Inquiry. report, yeah. they were going to restructure the academy so they didn't take any recruits for a 12-month period. Oh, okay. And they didn't bother to tell all the recruits that had re- applied, Yeah, they, uh, they just didn't answer for 12 months and then after 12 months they sent a letter and said be at Roma Street at this time on the 4th of February and I went, oh, shit. So <laughs> by that time I'd moved to another school and it was quite remarkable It'll be a school where the kids were happy and, good yeah. morning, sir, how are you, sir, can I do something for you, sir? And no one cried in the staff room and I went, shit, this is the way I remember. I was tempted to stay but yeah, I'd thrown away. Of course, it was two or three weeks till the academy started. Yeah. So I I went to this other school for three weeks and I went, oh, this is the way I remember it. Maybe I should. But I said, not bugger it, I throw my hat in the ring. So off I went. So uh, after 12 months at the academy, we were the last of the university-trained People and I remember Phil Dickey wrote in his Sunday column that we we're the most underprepared recruits ever to hit the streets of Queensland. I thought, well, that's a great start. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a, a great f- start. That's a flying recommendation, <laughs> Man, isn't it? You just left uh, the
0: shit of the education system. Yeah, yeah. anyway,
1: so they sent me to Caboolture to start with, which uh, I lived on the Sunshine Coast at the time. Yeah, okay, I, I was travelling hundred K's down and 100 Ks back every day that I thought yeah. after my first year I thought they would move me a bit closer, closer. to home it well, was a good plan yeah but anyway kabulcha was probably one of the best learning stations you could ever go to because by the time you've been at kabulcha for 12 months you will have seen one have everything and probably <laughs> a whole lot of things that you didn't even know existed it was quite a remarkable
0: I, I've heard that Caboolture's still the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, I oh, know it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It's probably got a bit busy in now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. I, I used to say there was the old section of Caboolture, uh, the Whitehead area. Yeah, uh, I used to say it. Uh, it didn't rain in. I think it was Tui Street. I was sure it was it didn't rain in Tui Street because the bastards would steal it before it hit the ground. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, it uh, was a remarkable place. You would you'd hit the hit the ground running when you got there. There'd be twenty jobs on the slate, and when you left at the end of the day, there'd still be twenty jobs on the slate. They wow. they never yeah. disappeared. But I did uh, I did learn an awful lot. At, uh, a lot more than I would have walked walking the beat in Brisbane. Anyway, yeah, I, uh, I had many experiences at Caboolture that were just quite strange. Yeah, yes. I could imagine. <laughs> yeah. I recall one day we had a call about uh, someone standing in someone's rose garden <laughs> and we went, oh, yeah. is he attempting to case the place? No, he's just standing in my rose garden. Mm, all right. So yeah. we turn up and old mate's, old fella tending his rose garden there and he said, uh, you the bloke that wrote Yeah, yeah, he's gone now. I said, oh, okay. He said... He was over there talking to the hibiscus for a while before he left. (laughs) All right, so so we go back to the station and about 30 minutes later we get a phone call about uh, someone stealing, walking through the checkout without paying, which is just round the corner from the Rose Garden, man. Oh,
0: okay, yeah, sure.
1: And we turn up there and what happened? Oh, well, there was this fella came and he was doing like running starts on the footpath here for about 10 minutes and then... Then he came into the shop and he was walking around and then he started eating ice cream and then he picked up a box of chocolates and he walked out of the checkout and one of the girls yelled at him but he just kept going. Yeah. I said, oh, right Owen." And, and then the funny thing is she said he came back to the checkout girl and gave her a flower and the box of chocolates and said, these are for you, dear. and. <laughs> And then he went again. And I went, oh, I see. So do you want to make a complaint of shoplifting or not? Well, not really because he didn't really – I suppose he'd eaten ice cream but he didn't really take (laughs) anything. He brought the child. I said, and so he's disappeared. No, he's over there standing across the street. And I look across the street and there's this fella standing (laughs) in this clump of palm trees, you know, those little skinny palm (laughs) He's standing there and there's this bloke watching him from a doorway and I've gone over and I've gone, hello, mate, how you going? He goes, hello. And then Blake comes out, he says, yeah, this, uh, he's just been in my house. I said, and what did he do? He said, well, he had a paper and he said, is this yours? And he put it on the table and then he went out again and he's been standing in amongst the trees. Jesus. So I've gone, righto then. (laughs) So I drag, oh, mate, I said, righto, uh, where do you live, mate? There he goes. Uh. And I go, what is? Uh. <laughs> me? And anyway, he said, led me across the street. and We stopped next to a post office <coughs> box near the shop.
0: Yeah.
1: And he starts looking in the post office box. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking for the keys for my car. <laughs> And I said, "What's your name, mate?" And he said, "Do you want my real name or what people call me?" <laughs> and he was—he was basically changing stations about every five seconds. Oh, the, Jesus. Jesus! He's on some sort of gear, this yeah, clown. Anyway, yeah. so I said, "What's in your pocket, son?" So he he pulls out this bunch of keys, and he puts them out to me like this. <laughs> Yeah, I go, what, mate? Went, Hang on, give it a look at them. I said, there's no car key on here. Yeah. And he went, oh, I don't have a car. And I'm, Shit. <laughs> anyway, I said, have a look at these keys, son.
2: Yeah.
1: He said, do you see something funny about that? And he went, yeah, they're all silver. I said, no, there's no car key. Where do you live? He said, I live in King Street. No, that's great, because we're on King Street. Oh, said, okay. Yeah. Which is your house? Because I figured he may have some mental health history. We'll take yeah. him back to his place. We'll see if we can find out. Anyway, we, he said, well, it's a house that it's got like, you know, one of those things that come out near the stairs and there's a blue tarp on it. And I went, do you know where you live? He said, yeah, I live in King Street. Fuck me. Is that what else have you got in your pockets? Looking for some ideas, yeah. he goes. And then he looked very guilty. He snatched his hand closing and I thought, oh, hello, we got some dape here. And yeah. Going, They're leaves. He went, yes, hibiscus leaves. <laughs> and I am went, oh, shit. So anyway, I grab old Spoon Boy and we go wandering up King Street. Yeah. <clears throat> About 400 metres up, there's this... White weatherboard house with a little porch bit that comes out to the stairs, and there's a blue tarp around huh. it. Yeah, and I've gone. Is this your place? He went, yeah, I live here. So we went upstairs and we had a look round. I found a couple of envelopes, and I found um, a bill addressed to Damien Delacosta. Yeah, our boy. Sorry, Damien, if you're listening. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I found another letter yeah. to another girl's name, and she was she worked at the hospital actually oh, okay. from the paper. Oh, so okay. yep. I've rung and eventually got them to answer, and they said, "Do you know this guy?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah, he's my flatmate." I said, "Has he got any mental issues? He's acting very strangely." Yeah. And she said, "No, he's normally all right. He's got no problems oh. that I know." I said, "Does he take any medication?" She goes. No, not that I know of, and anyway, so I get back to Damien. Mate, have you got any identification here?
2: Yeah.
1: Where's your wallet? You oh, in my room. So he wanders off into his room, and he's not back in five minutes. I better go and check on it. And he's sitting down in front of the television, going. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing a video game. The only problem was the television wasn't on and nor was the controller, but he was having a wonderful time and I thought, he's off the planet, this boy. Anyway, I I eventually, and then Dan's radio, my partner's radio goes off. It's pinned to his lapel and the whole day is that for me? He goes, no, no, it's not. So we took him up to the hospital and said, look, we don't know. What he's taken, but he's he's completely off the wall. Yeah. And they said, Leah, just put him there and lie down there." And he's sitting in the the casualty section at Caboolture. And uh, next minute he starts to leap up, and I'm Woohoo boy, what are you doing?" He said, "Earthquake! Didn't you feel it?" And I said, "No, we did not <laughs> feel the earthquake. You just lie down there and behave yourself." Anyway, he tried to jump up and he was concerned that the whole building was going to fall on his oh, head and geez. finally our mate in the white coat comes back with a needle full of some wonderful stuff and goes, zap. <laughs> and Damien carries on a bit more so he gives him another dose and goes, zap again. And Damien goes, <laughs> and collapses in a bit of a heap. And I said, what the hell was that? He said, just some giggle juice. I said, what are you talking there? He said... Valium, I said, it seems me he said, yeah, well, technically that'd be enough to drop an elephant. I don't know what the fuck that guy's (laughs) on, but it's good shit. (laughs) Anyway, so we left him there. Yeah. I rang up a couple of days later to check on him and he was still. Still there. At the hospital. And he was just about right. But on that very same day that I checked on him, I got a phone call. Yeah about a fella talking to a tree (laughs) just up the road. And I've gone, oh, bullshit. Uh, So I go and find old mate, located him standing Mm. in someone's backyard, and he was actually having an animated conversation with a daisy or something. And I've just gone, who are you, sunshine? And he just he was changing channels every time. I've gone, hmm, I've seen this before. Yeah. I said... You know, a fella by the name of Damien? Oh, yes. I'd only met him the other day. We had some tea with some (laughs) angel's trumpet in it. And And by by that time, the hospital had got back to me and said they'd detected detouring loonies. So, so yes. So So that's what it was. This one I didn't fuck around with. I just said get in the car and I took him up to the hospital. But Yeah, that sort of. It's not much of a story, but it's one I of those that. things that oh. just happen in your day and you just oh. go, well, wow. I've never seen that before. Strangely enough, I was telling that story when I went to Morton Island once yeah. with the coppers. Yeah. Round a table and another fella named Damien, he used to be part of the, the complex there. The, yeah, sure. He used to do the dolphin feeds and stuff. And he had this girl that was also visiting. Her. And she said, I know that fella. Damien did a cost... I used to live with him, and I've gone <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Who else in the world would? Know, oh. But it, it's a very small world, yes, it is, isn't it? And she made me tell that story three times. She laughed. her guts out. it. She did, but yeah, that that's a cracker, mate. No yeah, wonder it,
0: that one. No wonder that one imprinted in you.
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's a strange thing because you get, I uh, my mother thought that the police service was the or the police force in the good old days. Yeah, was. Uh, Detrimental to my character because she said it was the ruination of me. I didn't know any hookers or drug addicts <laughs> until I joined the coppers. I'd never kicked anyone's door in. I'd never thrown someone roughly the ground in the middle of yeah. the street. I'd never broken into anyone's house. i and I'd never done all sorts of things that I did with the coppers. And I'm thinking maybe she was right. <laughs> but, yeah. but the things you do, like uh, I've... <laughs> When you do something very bad or very good in the Mm. police service, Mm -hmm. someone might write a letter to the commissioner. Yes. Now, if they do that, they're required to show you, to let you know that you do what you call a note and return. Okay, sure. So the the boss will call you and say, yeah, (coughs) got a letter here. Yeah. Public, lean to the commissioner back, read it, note and return and... Okay, And yeah, if, sure. if it's bad shit, they might say, well, we're going to have to take some action over this. You're in trouble, sunshine. And if it's yeah. good shit, they go, yeah, well done. Right off you go. I have one in my personal file that I know. I might even have a couple, but I know one. Now, yeah. I've been shot at. I've had dogs set upon me. I've ah. dragged people out of burning cars. I've stopped people jumping off bridges. So I've done all sorts of stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: And I have a letter that went to the commissioner and back, and it's still in my personal file there, the most wonderful commendation from a little Scottish lady for killing a spider. <laughs> really? Yep. That's the only thing that was big enough to hit the commissioner and bounce back again. Wow. I get a phone call at Redcliffe Station yeah. at 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, help, help. <laughs> and and I go, oh, shit, so we got the hand on the gun going up the driveway. and yeah. And there's this little Scottish lady about four foot six tall. It's over there. Pointing at the wall and she's got little soggy slippers where she's wet herself. She's absolutely petrified. And there on the wall opposite was this enormous huntsman spider. You're kidding. And I've gone, oh, my. Can you kill it? Can you get it out of here? I've got oh, if you've got a thong, you haven't peed on. So I found another slipper and I gave her a bit of a smack on the head. Not the lady, the spider. And... Uh, and then, of course, the spider, being as big as a dinner plate, rolled its little legs up and turned into a spider this big and uh. robbed me of all glory it wasn't even a trophy <laughs> spider anymore. So it's like I felt sorry, the poor little bugger's lying flat in its back with its little quivering legs up in the air. And i, I gone, there, lady, she said, can you get it outside? So I've got it, grabbed it by one of its... Quivering little legs yeah. and strained out in the garden. Oh, can you have a cup of tea now? Oh, oh, so thank you very much. So he wanted to adopt us on the spot. You're the most wonderful oh, people in the world. Oh, sweetheart. And, and eventually I said, No, lady, we got jobs to We better go out here. We yeah. got out in the car. My mate says to me, What the fuck is the might of the Queensland police force doing flogging spiders for old ladies <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning? And I looked at him and said, well, who else is going to do it? That's well. Wow, and good he looked point. back at me and he went, yeah, you're right, you know. <laughs> now, her nearest living relative capable of flogging a spider was mm. a son-in-law. Yep. And he lived in Bundaberg. And I sincerely doubted if he was going to come down at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's true. To flog a spider and the chances of the spider still being there after. <laughs> a four-hour drive are pretty slim too. So, anyway... That went to the commissioner, came back, and it's still on my personal file. And, and
0: did you have to? Just, if it's a positive one, do you still have to note it and return? Oh it? yeah, just
1: note and return. That's so, how I. That's how I know it's on my file. That's how <laughs> I know she even wrote a letter. But, but, uh, and then the next week, I did my first double murder. Wow. Another little Scottish lady, Bill and Ben the budgies. Yeah. Help! Help! <laughs> oh, but, oh, fuck. Not again. Some birds, some so, budgies. There's two budgies in a bird cage in this tree snake had managed uh. to get in through the cage and, of course, it now had two lumps about as big as eggs in its yeah. belly and it couldn't get out again. So yeah. she's dancing around the same st- <laughs> so thing,
0: he's there, he's there.
1: <laughs> so Bill and Ben were gone, but I had a fair idea of where they were. <laughs> yeah, so, you could so, get good guess. So anyway, I uh, I said, have you got a pillowcase, lady? She said, oh, yeah, so you got it. And then I said, do you want it back? Oh, no. So... <laughs> I took the snake containing Bill and Ben, and I put it in a pillowcase, and then she thanked us greatly. I didn't get a letter for that one.
0: Mate. You didn't get a letter. That, no, that one seemed no. to be a bit more and, dangerous, and, mate. And, <laughs> I, and I, I didn't,
1: I didn't think I'd bother to retrieve Bill and Ben because they, they were pretty well gone. Yeah. So I got back to the station, and there was Jeff, the sergeant, who was a lovely, mild-mannered fella. And back then at Redcliffe Station, yeah, we used to have the radio room that used to dispatch the. The cars all over the place, and Jeff was manning it by himself on that, and it was in a little anteroom room behind the counter and between the counter and the main hallway. And uh, I didn't realise that Jeffrey was absolutely petrified of snakes. Oh so, shit! So I walked in and I just tipped this snake out <laughs> on his console <laughs> while he was operating the radio, and he near had a out of out-of-body experience, <laughs> uh, I promptly grabbed the door and pulled it shut while he was in there. It was like a human pinball machine. He was bouncing off shit everywhere going, you bastard, I'll oh, kill you, get this fucking steak out of me!" But it took him about ten minutes to realise, of course, that he could have just opened the door and gone out to the... So next minute he opens the door, he comes flying over the counter yeah. in the, the dining, do- <laughs> <laughs> and up the hallway he comes about to kill me. And by that time, I had retained the, sn- retrieved the snake, and I was waving it at him, and he wasn't going to come near me. It took him a couple of weeks to forgive me for that one. I would yeah, too. So, yeah, it, was, it was it was kind of a genuine fear. Quite entertaining at the time. So then I took the snake home and let it go of my place because I yeah. quite like tree snakes. But yeah, I I have probably retrieved oh, in my police career a dozen snakes out of people's lounge rooms. Yeah. And, True stuff. Officers and yeah. And then, yeah, what do
0: you just take them home?
1: Well, not the big brown bastard, <laughs> but uh, the tree snakes oh and the carpet snakes. I, yeah. I used to just take them home and let it go of my place. Yeah, I, yeah. But, yeah,
0: yeah. I wouldn't be one to leave. Um, I wouldn't want to be leaving that
1: around too. Oh, geez. But anyway, so I kabulcha. Like I said, you see, you've seen one of everything. I saw a yeah. bloke throw himself under a train. Oh shit, Yeah. Sure. Uh, oh, very messy picking that up too. Oh, it, it is. You?
0: Yeah. I could imagine know, a train. No. Uh, yeah.
1: There's not much left him. Nope. Had one on the just slightly humorous. Uh, unfortunately, you you have to realise that coppers have a very black sense of humour because they see so many terrible things. Of course, they do. 100%. They basically manage to make light of anything, and Any- they will find humour in the most ridiculous. I recall once at Caboolture there was a fella who was a little bit pissed who attempted to cross the Bruce Highway and got hit by a truck. Oh, yeah, shit, yeah. Now, guess what his name was? Mr. Frogger, oh, and at the same time, there was a video game had <laughs> just come out on out. a Nintendo Fro- or something. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. used to be the frog would jump, jump from the lily pads, be uh, get run over by, by a boat speedboat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. yeah, and Mr. Frogger became legend for a little while around the <coughs> station. Yeah. Oh, um, R.I.P. Mr. Frogger. Frogger didn't make it. Oh, it wasn't a speedboat. <laughs> it was a very large truck that hit Mr. Frogger. Well, it's
0: it's funny that you say that because, like, you know. You know, we deal with the fuel industry industry side of things, and we see that sort of stuff, those accidents, and all the time. And you've got to ha- you've you have to have that sort of sense of humour with that stuff because if you don't, it will bloody chew you up.
1: Oh, it does, yes. You know, and if you're not if you're not light hearted with it, it will it will get you. Another time, I uh, we took a fella that had an unfortunate accident. He had a uh, guardrail spear and.
0: Oh shit. Yeah. Crack
1: his head in basically. Yeah. So we took him to the morgue and then they rang us about half an hour later and said, Where's his brain? And we'd yep. gone, Oh shit. So <laughs> yeah. so so obviously yeah. it had cracked him and Yeah, had, of course, yeah. And I went back and we found it in the passenger yeah. Put well in the car. So oh, we, of course, yeah. And to pick yeah. that up, put it in a plastic bag and take it back, so we had a complete picture. <laughs> yes, <laughs> get, the, get the whole Although well, uh, I think an autopsy wasn't required to work out what killed him. But yeah, there you go. Oh, jeez. We had, we had numerous experiences with.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah so well, I mean, get, it's funny how like, um, and like that. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can only you can't how do you work, how do you warm up to that sort of stuff too eh? like you guys just get got thrown into that sort of shit too like when you join the force as well eh? it's not like hey we'll start you off with someone that's just died oh, from natural no, causes no, no. Some, someone at a nursing home or something in a hospital then we'll we'll edge you into this and this and this and finally work our way up to that now we'll just throw you right in the deep end well <laughs>
1: yeah. you could look at uh, you could look at the police academy really as kindergarten yeah okay yeah you you're basically no, nothing. Yeah. When you hit the streets, you learn a lot in a big hurry. Yeah, yeah, and of course. And, and like I said, the, you find all these things that you didn't realise was in your job description. Yeah, yeah, of course. And like when a lady rings you up and she's in a panic and I go, what's wrong, lady, if we had a break into here? And she goes, no, but I've locked myself out again. And If yeah. my husband finds out I'm in real trouble, I said, so what do you want from the police? You'd know how to break in, wouldn't you? I went, oh, fuck, all right. So I found a sliding window, bump, bump. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So, are. I'm paid to break in there. <laughs> yeah, you're not, paid just, for not just with the search warrant. I'll tell you a story about yeah. a break. At, uh, when I was working at Redcliffe, where I used to work, they used to do Deception Bay and Redcliffe yep. from times I was relieving it. Uh, no, might have even been when I was a Kapulch anyway. Yeah, We got a call about a single vehicle accident mm. and some fool had come to a dog leg and gone straight ahead and parked himself in someone's rock garden. Oh, okay. So we're heading out to that and then we got a breakers on premises call so I ended up at a ring bar at warp speed. Yeah. Found out it was just the guys working overtime to try and catch up on the new housing estate fitting stove. They weren't taking stoves out, they were putting them in. Mm. And then I said to me, mate, We'd better go to that Actually, I don't suppose anyone's still there now. Anyway, so an hour later we turn up and there's still a group of people and there's this XC Falcon jumped the gutter and parked on top of this <laughs> rock garden being driven by the all-time loser of the world, so I found out later. <laughs> Did you? Uh, he, uh, it's sort of steaming a bit and parked on the rock garden and I went, I don't suppose the driver's still here. And there was this little bloke about, oh, he would have been five foot tall in kickboxing shorts yeah, right. this other bloke by the collar and gone, yes, he is. <laughs> and then there was this sweet little <laughs> fellow went, he hit me. Aww. Oh, you're going to run away. He <laughs> yeah. hit me. So anyway, I said, what's your name, mate? So Peter told me his name. And uh, I said, uh, what happened? He said, oh, brakes failed. And I went, yeah, sure they did So Anyway, <laughs> I let him turn the key in the car and yeah. sure enough, there's the brake fail light on the on the dash of the XC Falcon. I said, what happened? He said, well, well I was coming down the road, he said, and I hit the brakes and it was had just been raining. It was a bit slippery. Hmm. And, of course, when you get into a four-wheel skid, it doesn't matter what you do with the steering wheel, you're going to go straight yeah, ahead. that's right. And I said, what were you doing in such a hurry? He said, oh, oh. Oh, I was just trying to hide the car. Some people are looking for me, missus. And I went, say, you're in a hurry to hide the car. I said, where do you live? And he lived just around the corner, basically. Oh, okay. And I said, mate, have you got a licence? Oh. I said, what? Unlicensed or disqualified? Oh, both, really. Oh, shit. I said... uh, why were you hiding the car? He said, oh, drugs, nah. people looking for K." Yeah. And I went, and you haven't been ringing, have you? Oh, yeah, a bit. So jeez, oh, all of it. Why were you driving, idiots? Yeah. Anyway, I take him back to the station. And uh, I sort of give Peter the usual questions, you know, have you eaten, when was your last meal, how much have you consumed, etc. cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, have you had anything to drink today, Peter? Yeah. What have you had? Passion pop. <laughs> I said, so how much? He said, what were you drinking that out of? He said, oh, out of the bottle. Oh, jeez. I said, how much have you had? He said, oh, I don't know, a couple of bottles. I said, uh, all right, so, uh, and have you been to a doctor or a dentist today or anything? Yeah. No one ever says yes to that. <laughs> I go, yeah, I said. Well, which one? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, oh, well, she got these rotten teeth that has to come in. I have to go back and get it. And I've been to the doctor. Uh, I've been to the doctor because I get these shocking pains in my kidneys and, uh, and my asthma's playing up, and 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 you know I. I said, and you drink? And he said, oh, you drink too if you had my problems. And oh. I've got, oh, fuck me, dude. So then I go, have you got any, yeah, have you got any diseases or whatever you need? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what do you got? you got hep C? I said, oh, where fuck. did you get hep C from? He said, oh, in jail where they pierced my eyebrow for me. Oh, jeez. What are you in jail for? He said, Disqualified drive and I just said, "Oh <laughs> fuck! You are the all-time loser of the world." Oh wow! He's the whole so, package, isn't he? Anyway, oh yeah, I, uh, I Chad. Oh, there were a couple other. It was the saddest story I ever heard in my life. Yeah. It really made me cry. Anyway, so oh yeah, sorry. Have you had anything to eat today? No. <laughs> when was your last meal? Oh, a couple of days ago. Jesus What'd Christ! What would you have? Some pea and ham soup. Oh. I said, so, so you're on the gear, you're drinking, <laughs> yep. you got these terrible things wrong with you, yep. and you all have had to eat in the last couple of days this pea and ham soup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so anyway, I charged him, released him, and I expected that he would not appear. Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed either because a couple of weeks he didn't. Yeah. But about a week or so after I've pinched Peter... A drink driving. I had a phone call from roughly the same area yeah. from this woman who said, oh, I think we've had a break and enter." And I'm going, "What do you mean? You think yeah. you've had a break and enter? Well, um, there's just stuff missing." And and like <laughs> I said, What's it? "What's it? Well, come here." And she opens the fridge, the freezer, yeah. and I said. Yes, she said. This my husband's a meat worker. This was full of meat, and there's just the one one thing whole rump there. She said, and and look at this. It takes me down the hallway and yeah. opens a cupboard. And she said, I got two kids and their winter pajamas that I bought on sale. They were here, but they've gone missing. Yeah, and I they should be in here. Yeah, and 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 here she opens up the pantry and goes. There was all sorts of food here and it's just missing. I said, what sort of food? She said, well, this was all soup. I said, not pea and ham soup. <laughs> she goes, yes, there was a whole lot of pea and ham soup. I said, do you know a fellow by the name? Oh, yeah, they live over the back here. Oh. She said, oh, they're druggies, you know. Kay's got it in a purse every payday. You could." I said, has Pete ever been here? Oh, yeah, he was over here. Actually, about a week or so ago, he said that I should do something about my security. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> he, he said he showed me how you can bump the glass sliding door. <laughs> and, and he said, you'll have to be careful or someone might break in here. <laughs> I'm, you're kidding. So, anyway, I said, uh, where do they live? And they're straight over her back fence. Yeah. So I climb up on the fence and have a look over the fence yeah. and there – in a little pile in the middle of the front yard are some cornflake packets, a couple of empty cans of pea and ham soup, <laughs> and some MSA meat wrappers there oh, where cool. a whole rumps and whatever. And I thought I, I think I've solved this one, but but I never actually pinched Peter for that yeah. because he never appeared in court and I could never find him again. I think he disappeared into state. Ah, uh, okay. It's funny how uh, little things like that are all related. Isn't it? Oh, you got to I, that's, I'd look
0: as much as it's shit to hear that. Like, it's funny.
1: <laughs> to, to, oh. and, and a lot of people used to say to me, I wouldn't have your job for quids. Yeah. And I would think, you know what, you might be right at times, but... If there's one beauty to being a police officer, it is. Yeah. When you think you've seen everything, you haven't. <laughs> and when you come in and you go, oh, shit, I've got paperwork coming out of my ears, I need to get this done, I've got three court briefs to get done, you think you're going to sit at your desk and be bored shitless mm. for a day, somewhere the shit is going to hit the fan and you'll do something that you didn't think you were possibly going to do that morning. And yeah. and like I said, there's always something, I mean, and you think you've seen it all? Someone will surprise you, and it—it's not boring.
2: Yeah. Let's look at it that way.
1: It, <laughs> uh, there's there's always something new, and it all happens when on the day you least expect it. Yeah. You think it's? I went in one day. Uh, uh, they had some sort of big operation on, so I'm by myself in the CIB office, holding the fort. Yep. And uh, I get a call from the radio room. Shag, you busy? No, not really. I got shit to do, but what's happening? He said, Oh, there's some spoon up at the hospital. There. Yeah, Are you familiar with the term spoon? No, <laughs> can you enlighten the listeners on what a spoon well, is? <laughs> it's, it's police vernacular. If you go into the locked ward at the Winston Noble unit, they do not allow you anything sharp. Uh, So you don't have knives and forks. The only thing you'll ever have is a spoon. Uh, Anyone that is a spoon is one of those people that shouldn't have anything else. (laughs) It's just one of those. (laughs) So anyway, the radio room said, oh, look, there's some spoon up at the hospital. Reckons he knows something about a murder that happened at Uh, the jail eight years ago. Oh, uh, it's probably shit, but oh, yeah. I'll go up anyway, you yeah. just have to. and Yeah, of course, yeah. And strange enough, the number of times I have gone up to something that's probably shit turned out to be absolutely right, but anyway. Yeah, yeah right, okay. I yeah. go up to the hospital and here's this older fella, been in, in and out of jail most of his life, Yeah, but he had this big ulcer on his leg and he'd somehow convinced himself that he was going to die. Ah, uh, okay. And he obviously wanted to get something off his chest. Now, there was a murder at the jail eight years ago that they'd written off as a suicide. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, sure. A fellow by the name of Buckley. Yeah. And uh, they believe he hung himself in the toilet block. Yeah. And how they ever worked that out just beats me. I may not be a f- forensic uh, pathologist, but i began that looks a bit fucking strange to me. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Anyway, they wrote it off about uh, eight years ago and they were convinced.
0: Yeah.
1: There were a couple of... There were homicide from Brisbane thought that the Rocky boys hadn't done a good job of it. But anyway, I went up and had a yarned old mate Mm. and I went, hmm, this sounds a bit interesting. So I've basically got a complete statement from him on a napkin (laughs) and the rest of it on tape. Yeah. I've gone back to the office and I've rung up Homicide and said, listen, the you go and I didn't know if there had been a murder because I wasn't there at the time. Yeah, of course, yeah. So I rang him up and said, do you guys know anything about a suspicious death at the jail by this fellow Buckley? Yeah. And next minute I'm speaking to the senior sergeant in charge of homicide, he said, what do you got? And I proceeded to tell me that uh, this fellow had... Yeah. And he said, I'll be up there tomorrow. Will you be working? Make sure you are. And then I ended up at Mariba the next day and oh, wow. turned into a... A murder investigation after eight years, and eventually, Gunny Robinson, Marcus Knight, and someone—I can't remember—Wesley Williams, yeah, were charged with the murder of Mister Buckley. Wow, eight years previously, and like I said, the the sort of things you, you—that's that's that's crazy. Pop that's, up out of the blue, and yeah, if you it's phenomenal. if you don't go, yeah.
0: And yeah. was he was he like a witness to it? Was he, or did he'd seen it himself? The guy that,
1: that he. He saw the three of them take in and there's always out. been questions asked about what happened. But, you know, it's, wow. not, every, it's not every day that you solve a murder. But, no, of course but, not, especially know, you're just, when you're just filling in. <laughs> you, well, I was just there by myself. <laughs> yeah, I was really it. filling in. I oh, was, yeah, sorry, I, mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I was the only one available. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, and it's right. probably lucky I was because there were a few other people in there who would have gone, oh, this is yeah. shit, I wouldn't even bother.
0: And they probably and, didn't. And because,
1: oh, mate. The only ever thing we usually arrest him for was public nuisance or drunk uh, on oh, petty theft. So, as soon as you heard the that guy's guy, name, you would have been like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah, here we go. Well, I knew of him, and there. Uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> jobs just pop up, and sometimes you get, like, I remember once when I was at Harvey Bay for a, yeah. a while, they wanted me to go and do a job, and I said, I'm not doing that one. Yeah. And apparently, some people had complained that the school kids made the parrot next door talk, and it was a noise complaint. And I, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's on the job list. I said, "Well, cross it off, because I'm not going." But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we used to get some interesting jobs, but yeah. like I said, catching snakes and breaking into people's houses. And
0: did you did you um did you ever do any of that? Like, because you got that you know that side of things, but you. Been on the detective side of it investigation. Well, you did do all that did you have to do any of that sort of undercover stuff or anything like that? Or did you more just
1: Oh well see I left the chapter out when I was at Caboolture yep. after my first year, they actually, after I implored them to send me somewhere a little closer to home, they sent mm. me to Redcliffe. Oh, uh, okay, Which is yeah, an extra twenty Ks down the road. <laughs> so I'm driving hundred and twenty Ks each way to go to that
0: work. That's really nice at the wasn't it? And
1: I sort of I Typed them a few reports saying, you know, yeah. I'm going to be a statistic on the road. On Back in yeah, those well, days, you used to work eight to four. Yep. And then you'd come back at 12 and you'd work seven straight, uh, 12 to yeah. eights on yeah. night work. Yeah. And uh, there was no point me even going home because I'd have to turn around and come back. My mother was still at if I used to just go and have a cup of tea with my dear old mum and go back a few hours later to work. Yeah. But I, I hit them with the sob story saying, you know, I'm, and their answer was, uh, if you look at the guidelines, you shouldn't live more than 40Ks from where you work, so you should move. And I went, fucked if I'm moving from the Sunshine Case. Yeah, no, that's right. But anyway, and I had kids in high school. And, yeah. But anyway, I eventually thought, uh, well, I suppose I had had an offer. Someone rung me up. Can I say bad words here without offending anybody? Of course you can. You can say whatever you want. Mick Zabo, when I was in my first year at at Caboolture, um, Zabs came in. To, well, that's another story. I'll tell you that one in a minute. But okay. Zabs came in to see me and said, "Shaggy, you in trouble?" And I went, "Why, Zabs?" He said, "Well, some superintendent just rang up for you." Oh, uh, okay. Well, I think it was a superintendent. I said, "What do you mean? You think it was a superintendent?" He said. Well, he said, tell that dapy pelican cunt Carolyn to ring me. (laughs) And I went, oh, that'll be George. (laughs) And and he wasn't sure who it was, of course. Oh, okay, yeah. I had a a clue, I thought. So anyway, I said, well, if he rings back again, Mm. ask his name, will you? He said, oh, it wasn't game. He said he was a superintendent. I said, Mm. that ain't bite. It's all right. Yeah, of course. Anyway, about a week later... He rings back. He, Zav comes in in a flap going, Yeah, Shaggy's on the phone again. I said, who? He said, the superintendent. I went, oh, yeah, right. I say, anyway, I oh, went, dress yourself to sport and you said, oh, fuck it, you. <laughs> so anyway, it was Georgie Nolan, who was the chief superintendent. The oh, okay. And I said, yeah. what can I do for you, Georgie? He yeah. said, you ever thought of going cobert? Oh, really? And I said, no, I'm in my first year, George. I can't go. Carry. He said, oh, too many fucking rules these days, isn't there? <laughs> and I got well, he said, well, think about it. He said, you'd be really good at it. They're a bit short at the moment. So anyway, yeah. I said, you're right. So I had a bit of a yarn to George. Yeah. Whatever. Now, George, <clears throat> I had first come to, we were good mates simply yeah. because I turned up on parade when I was a recruit. Now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They put you on parade and you stand at attention. They look you up and down. If you've got a speck of dust on your shoe, write a report and don't turn up like that tomorrow. And they'll get oh, wow. a haircut. You know. Oh yeah. They okay. You shaved this morning and yeah. And how far did you stand from the razor, you idiot? Shave a bit better tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I used to always be there half an hour early. Yeah. Because particularly on Mondays because I used to go home to the Sunshine Coast and come back. Oh, of course, I used to yeah. say at my sister's place, if you're longer during the week, there are yep. too many rules at the academy for Nisa. So I never stayed there. Yeah, yeah, fair but, enough. Yeah. But anyway, I've turned up. Oh, well, I was always early. But on this day, I was actually at my sister's place. Yeah, sure. I wake up in the morning and there's this blinking alarm and I've got a brinking clock and I'm like, oh, shit, Power outage. Oh. It's at 12 o'clock going blink, blink, blink. Oh, and I go, What time is it? And I'm going, Chet. So I jump in the chair and I bolt. I'm still 20 minutes early. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Yep. But whenever I used to get there, you used to have these half a dozen girls that would come and, Oh, shaggy, your scruffy bars. They'd pick <laughs> the lint off me, straighten me up, and brush me. Yeah. I had my little harem of girls that would look after me and make sure that I was presentable because I didn't really give a shit. <laughs> And anyway, we had those elastic ties you used to put over oh, you yeah, in case yeah. someone grabbed you, they couldn't string it. Yes. Well, I'd thrown my tie over my head, and the knot was the other way around. I got my tie on backwards. So they're picking lint off me. No one's noticed I got my tie on backwards. Now, yeah. That should have been like technically a shooting offence to turn up on parade. <laughs> yeah, with your tie so backwards. I turn up on parade and I'm standing at attention, and the superintendent, not. Just anybody but the superintendent of the college was actually having parade that day. So he walked past a couple and then he walked past me and looked me up and down, walked on, and then next minute I see him take a step backwards and go, your fucking tie's on backwards. And I went, I went, bullshit, sir. He said, no, it's fucking on backwards. I said, bullshit, sir. He said, have a look, get ties. i never seen that before in my life. And... We had this serious bastard, next to be Mark the factor. He's gone. Oh shit, we did. Oh, you're going to get sacked. Oh fuck, you know. I'm going. Oh shut up, Mark. But he was—he was sure that I was going to get crucified. He'd yeah. be writing reports until midnight and the next day as well, you know. And anyway, he goes, hit it. I've never seen that. Never seen anything like it. Your fucking tie's on backwards. Did you dress yourself this morning? I said, well, no one else did it. Anyway, he, uh, he proceeded. To, uh, he was caused amazed, like, amazed by it. <laughs> in behind me, yeah. I got Blackie. I can see his shadow in front of me on the plane because the sun's at the back. Okay, yeah, sure. He's, he looks like a snake. He's, He's wiggling around there. He's busting himself, he just, yeah. and eventually he just collapsed on the ground laughing, he thought he was as funny as a sir well the old superintendent just goes, oh parade's fucked, off you go. <laughs> and off he went, and so the recruits just sort of look around and not leaving in orderly fashion, we just fell out and headed for the coffee, and uh. There's about three inspectors left on the parade and they look like Mr Bean, you know. Oh, <laughs> the shit. fuck's going There's on? There's <laughs> no recruits to inspect. We might as well go too. So they just got it off. Oh. But I didn't hear any more about that Did for a know? week. And then the superintendent came to the door of a classroom where we were in attendance mm-hmm. and the factor's gone, oh, Shag, I told you, you're fucked here. Yeah. You're in trouble. And uh, the superintendent comes up and says... Uh, I'd like to see Recruit Carolyn, please. I go, oh, you're fucked, you're (laughs) fucked. So I go out and I say, yeah, what can I do for you, Uh, Mr. Nolan He said, oh, call me George. He said, listen, he said, I've got to go to this fucking shindig over at the bloody golf club later to starve. He said, there's commissioner all the bigwig cunts will we there. (laughs) They're as boring as a bat He said, how come you get a few of the older fellas together? A few of the older recruits, I'll see you over the golf club and I'll regale you some stories about the protein. Yeah, right, cool. eh? Yeah. Fine. Okay, George. So <laughs> back in I go and the factor goes, you're not sacked, are you? I said, no, I'm fine. He said, what happened? He said, he invited me for drinks. He said, do you want to come? He said, don't be stupid. I said, no, no, George invited us for drinks. He said, a few of the older fellas. So I'll, I'll see Reddy and a few of the... Anyway, about half a dozen of us go over that afternoon to the golf club. Yeah. And there's no George, but about 20 minutes later, the swinging doors come open from the big conference room, and he goes, oh, thank fuck, haven't you got a beer for me? <laughs> and George proceeded to tell us stories. I don't think we bought another beer here. Wow. So say, and from that day forth, yeah. George George, and I were like I could do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else was petrified of the fucking... Oh, yeah. you would be naturally, and yeah. Every one of you, we'd be on parade. And someone will dress yourself this morning, Jack, get fucked sir. <laughs> <through. laughs> they keep going. All these other recruits would be shitting themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, and I was just, I, I led a charmed existence. I could do no wrong at the academy from yeah. there. So anyway. It put, would have been a breath of fresh air for them too, but A couple I could of years imagine. later, George rings me up out of the blue and asks if I want to go covert. So, yeah. so. After a couple of years at Redcliffe, I decided that uh, there was no way in the world they, they were critically short staff. They were supposed to have okay. 47 or 52 staff and they were working with about 36. Oh, wow. So they were flat out filling the, the roster. So getting out of Redcliffe in the near future was not looking good. Mm. And like I said, I'm travelling 120 Ks each way each day. So,
2: That's so a lot. I thought,
1: yeah. Good thing it wasn't now, I couldn't afford to work. There you go. <laughs> it the fuel. fuel would have been frightening. It was about <laughs> 37 cents a litre back then, I think. <laughs> but anyway, I, uh, I thought, fuck, I know, I'll throw in to go covert. Yeah. And the, the deal at that stage was once you'd done the two years, they didn't let you do more than two years because they were afraid you'd convert to the dark ah, side of it. okay, yeah. So once you'd done your two years, then you named a station of your choice. and Oh, okay, cool. All. Yeah, all right. I ended up doing three years. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, by that time, it turned from a station of your choice to a district of your choice. But anyway, <laughs> I uh, I applied to go covert. I was still at Redcliffe for two and a half years. Yeah. But eventually, I know that they took my application and screwed it up and threw it in the bin. Did they really? Because... Uh, I actually did one application and sent one directly Uh, to the covert mob, not through the chain of command as you were supposed to. Yep. And when I got called up to go to the covert course, someone came in and said, how did you get to go to this thing? I said, well, I applied for it. Someone said, "No, you didn't. Your application was scrapped." And I said, "No, it wasn't. I sent one direct." And <laughs> they were a bit pissed off about that, but I <laughs> love it. When I told them about that, they, it became policy after that that you would send one through the chain of command and one one direct, to the and, direct, and they would decide. So That's by cool. the, uh, the the inspector at the or the superintendent at the station at that time, yeah, said that I would not be going. And the mm. people from crime ops from the commissioner down said, if we want, he be will. And <laughs> I did. So, so then I, I went and bought drugs and televisions for three years for a bit of a living. Um, I used to consider myself a purchasing officer for the commissioner. <laughs> yeah. I used to buy them and mark them exhibit A, and then I made a lot of short-term friends, and then it would all go to shit somewhere. Then there's probably still a few people who want to kill me. But yeah. What well, was that?
0: What was that like doing all that? Was that pretty crazy? Was that gnarly or what? what
1: did you oh, think? it's. Uh, or was it just yeah, like yeah, whatever? It's some of the most frustrating shit you'll ever do. Is it when really? You're dealing with uh, everything comes back to drugs. When yeah, you're okay. dealing with stolen property, it's geez. drug related. Everything comes back to drug related. And the first thing you should do is take your watch and throw it to the shitty house because you won't need it anymore. Yeah. When someone says the gear will be here by four o'clock this afternoon, it's yeah, not. sure. <laughs> and, of course, don't forget they need to have time to touch your gear and cut it down a bit so that it's shit by the time you get it because they're playing with your money. And Yeah, of course. One of the most satisfying moments in my police career came at Toowoomba where I did a Cave at Job, I was buying some rock heroin down there for a wow. while. Wow. Holy. And uh, one of the guys I was actually, this fellow was selling me speed. Oh, okay. At, it came as part of the job. Yeah. Uh, he was a little ancillary target that turned up. And he was a furniture removalist sometimes. But oh, he yeah. was an absolute dick. Oh, really? And he wouldn't lie straight in bed. He... he Touched me brass and touched oh. me gear. He used to fuck me around for hours. I know, I had surveillance on him once and I knew he was just around the corner and I was parked here waiting for him. He left me there for five hours and then came up and said, oh, man, it's just arrived. I've been trying to get things going for you, whatever. And and then he touched me gear and I said... Oh, jeez. Flicking matches at him on my porch saying either the gear or the money better turn up, sunshine. It's all going to go real... I had to turn my tape off. <laughs> and, uh... Wow, and uh, eventually, but when it all, when the job folded up and it all came down, they they what happens is you you might have uh, eventually ended up with thirty targets ah, okay. from the job. The job yeah. might have gone for six months. You get thirty targets on a desert day when it looks like the job's not going any further. They will have a raid day and they'll get yeah. a whole lot of detectives from crime ups to come up. They'll get all the local boys from that area. And they'll attempt to kick all the doors at five o'clock in the morning at the same time before the grapevine can can fizz, spread it. Spread so, it. Yeah. So anyway, they're all pinched and charged that day, and you have to be on hand because they might want to do a confrontation. So when uh, they're interviewing someone and going, "Sure," well, you told Johnny that uh, you'd give him the. I don't even know him. I don't. Ah, uh, you know. okay, yeah, yeah. Do you know this fella? Oh, shit. And then they realise that you've probably taped every conversation they've really yep. had with you and they just go, yeah, yeah. then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> yeah. <You know. laughs> yeah. Anyway, this fella that bucked me round, ripped me off, touched me gear, and the works, he was coming out of the watch house, which used to be straight across like a, a bitumen quadrangle yeah. from the uh, – Womba Police Station. Oh, yeah, It's okay. all moved now. But someone came out and said, oh, Shag, you You might want to come inside and they're just slipping one out from the watch house. And I said, no, nah, I'll be right. I was outside having a smoke. <laughs> I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't particularly worried. But a lot of yeah, people, yeah, when, no, when, you've been their best, when you've been their best friend for six months and then you rat them out, a lot of people feel terribly guilty about it. Yeah, that yeah one of the things that as a covert you have to deal with of course it that, would be. the worst part be about, crazy the worst part about living that second life yeah because um, we do protracted jobs and you might live somewhere for well is you meet a lot of nice people yeah and you're lying to them the whole time yeah. you, you haven't got the same name you haven't got you're not who you say you are yeah. and then when a job folds up you not you, the not the people you locked up, but all the nice people you met on the way through, you can't really sort of go back and go, oh, it's all alive," but yeah, I'd yeah. like to say that you. <laughs> no, no. It's a, so you have to burn a yeah. few people that were good acquaintances. Anyway, our mate's coming out of the watch house and he sees me sitting outside and he just goes, bolt upright, and he goes, you're dead. You're oh, dead. really? And so I. Got up off my chair and yeah. walked over till I was nose and nose to him and went, he's coming out of the watch fuck with." <laughs> yeah. And he looked at me. And if you've ever, I don't know if you remember World Series cricket, but if you get bowled for a duck, the duck used to come across that's the right. screen with the steam coming. That's how he stormed off. And he <laughs> never looked back from there. I think he realised that. Yeah. Yeah. was yeah, the fool. Yeah. I wasn't real scared of him for a no. start. No, that's right. And I had a. I had a bit more clout than he on that particular day <laughs> yeah. as well. Anyway, it was one of the highlights of my police career. Was it really? Oh cool. Yes, yes. I yeah. thought, yeah, now you know you lying, cheating bastard, getting yeah. a pick of your own. Yeah, that's oh, it. I tell you another little covert So I did a, a job uh, in New South Wales. Yeah, they right. I thought they had okay. some crooked coppers who yeah. were letting they thought they were actually dealing drugs in the, oh, in, the, in yeah. a little town. Yeah, right. And they couldn't use their own people because just in case they would, tell you know. Them. Well, coppers, no coppers, yeah. you no know, coppers. Who, so they borrowed a control and a covert agent from Queensland who went down there. So I had to get sworn in as a special constable in New South Wales, and yeah. and then uh, wow, I spent six weeks down there. And in the end, the coppers had nothing to do with it. Yeah, okay, they were clear. That, a couple of lazy bastards weren't keeping their fingers on the pulse. I think oh, is that what the it was? very worst outcome from it was a couple were encouraged to apply for transfer because they'd been there a bit long. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, but, sure. Yeah. But well, I got a great, you know, wonderful commendation from the assistant commissioner in True. New South Wales and, you know, what wonderful and, what, yeah. and the job went from covert to overt and I'm sure that they published it in the, about 12 months later in the local paper in Rockhampton. Oh really? There was a little column about a drug bust in Victoria where they shut down an enormous hydroponic setup that oh. had its roots in the little in, town in I was little, oh, in. Oh wow, yeah, okay. So I have a feeling that someone's published that for my benefit. They knew where I was. So yeah, okay. So anyway, wow. it was in the local paper. But the Sydney detectives insisted and they're, they're for the internal affairs, they wouldn't okay. know their ass from we couldn't <laughs> grab it with both hands. So so they Buying drugs was, oh, it was so exciting. Yeah, they, of course. They, they wanted to be part of the picture. Yeah. So they had the little spy versus spy briefcase and they could sit in the car a block away. Wow. And monitor what I was saying because they made me news there. They had a digital tape recorder. We had the, oh, old, the old flip over the cassette so, And they had a, a a wire that they could monitor from
2: oh, the yep. car
1: like yep. up to two k's away or whatever. Holy smokes. So they'd park two blocks away, in the car with the old briefcase and the aerial weapon. Can you say something, Shag? And I used to say there was a young boy from Bill Gosham who took out his balls to wash them, and his brother said, Jack, if you don't put them back, I'll jump on the bastards and squash them. <laughs> so they never, ever listened to what I was saying here. How am I going? Oh, coming through loud and clear. <laughs> I don't think they ever listened to a word they said. They were just listening to see what no. that it was... That the, so, the so somewhere, was somewhere in the archives, As you saying that in New South Wales Police Department, <laughs> there will be half a dozen evidence tapes that start off. There was a young boy from Bill Gosham who took out his balls to wash him. and and the thing is, with a digital tape, yeah, when it appears in court. You can't edit shit. Oh, you're going to play the whole because, thing <laughs> because there will be an allegation made that I'm someone has, has tampered with the evidence. So so if anyone, I don't know if anyone did actually plead yeah. not guilty, but if anyone did actually plead not guilty, then somewhere somewhere in a court somewhere they will have shag said um. there was a young boy from Bill Gosham and. Uh, and a number of embarrassed Sydney detectives going, oh, fuck, I didn't know that was on this. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm sure someone would have noticed before it actually got to court. Uh, but even then they know they'd have to play it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'd have to be played for the court. Oh, that's yeah. bloody brilliant. So you did, what was it three years you did? Yeah, I did three years. Wow. Uh, I usually only do two, but yeah. most of the co were blonde-haired, surfy types, about 22 years old. Well, I was... 30. Yeah. Oh, nearly 40. Yeah, well, right. I was 40, I think, when I was covet. Yeah. So, a couple of jobs came up where they wanted an older fella that would fit in better. And they, you want to do just one more, Shag? You want it? Well, you're yeah. yeah, right, all right. And yeah. I ended up doing three years. And then from there, I came up here. I did uh, I did a, uh, not quite 12 months in uniform. Yeah, okay. Back at Rocky, because they make you go. Oh, In between, I uh, spent some time at Crime Ops in the auto theft uh, department, the Mole Squad and several other places, just yeah. uh, a bit of a change. Yeah. And then then I came here, general duties for 12 months because when you've gone covert for a while, they put someone... To keep an eye on you, to make sure that you turn up to work and you get a cut and you wear shoes and shit like that. Yeah. So make sure you haven't gone to the dark side. <laughs> yeah. And then after twelve months, they give you the big tick of approval, and you apparently you're a proper copper again. Oh, really? So, <laughs> so, you know. so, so anyway, mind you, they uh, they do some random piss testing to make sure that you're not Oh, uh, you yeah, of it. course, yeah, yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah. Well. The Inspector uh, Johnny, oh, what was his last? Name? He rang me up. Shag, you're working on Monday. Yeah, what are you working? Two to ten. Can you change that to an eight to four? We have to. Uh, we have to randomly piss test you. All right. Yeah, right. I'll see. You. <laughs> see you at eight. So, so, so he's rung me up. Like, he's rung me up the week before mm-hmm. to tell me that he was coming up to do arena, and only ever happened once. Supposedly. Yeah, of course, but yeah. No, only ever got piss tested. Oh, this okay. Supposedly they're supposed to oh, do it on a regular okay. basis yeah, yeah. for a year to make sure you're clean. Yeah, you're clean, yeah. Yeah, And anyway, he turns up, Shag, how are you? Listen, we well, got to go and pee and I've got you here, right, eh? He said, unless you want to just do it here and we'll tell – no, no, we'll go and do it at the <laughs> – yeah, right, eh? He said, right, good to see you, brother. Off you go. And anyway, uh, it's a good thing I didn't pick up any bad habits because uh, – yeah. I don't think the police service would have saved me. No. <laughs> I, think they, I no. think they may have improved things since then. Yeah, of but, course. But anyway, after 12 months, I got a bit sick of being in and out of the watch house. Well, yeah. I was in the watch house more than the bad people were. Yeah, but, well, uh, that's, yeah. Uh, I, applied to, uh, I applied to go to the CIB several times Yeah, in the first 12 months. And I had a... Crouchy used to uh, be the detective sergeant there. Yep. And um, one day said to me, Shag, you're always talking big, always reckon you're coming to the branch, why don't you throw in an application? Mm. I said, I've thrown in several, Crouchy. Yeah. And he went, no, you haven't, because I vet them for the boss and I've never seen said, come here. I opened my top drawer and said, there's one. He said, oh, shit, someone yeah. doesn't want you up there. Yeah, it's funny and, that, isn't it? And what I found out was that, the boss of the Reds at the time was under investigation uh, okay. for something and uh, I have a feeling he's gone, oh, this fella's an ex-Coverty. He's uh, come up from Prime yeah. Ops. Okay. We're not having him here with his <laughs> yeah. finger on the pulse. So, so anyway, yeah. I, uh, I thought, oh, well, that's fucked. I won't be getting in there in a hurry. Yeah. And then I was talking to one of my old sergeants from the covert and um, he said to me, Shaggy, you got in the branch yet? You're going to go? I said, no, I don't think I'll be doing that. He said, why not? He said, well, I told him the situation. He said, oh, funny thing is, uh, me and the assistant commissioner up there are very good friends. He yeah. said, I'm picking him up from the airport on Monday. <laughs> uh, I said, no, don't bother about that, Mick. I said, I'll do it on my own. Anyway, four or five days later, the detective inspector comes down and says, "Shag, did you put in an application for the last branch spot?" I said, "No, I've given up at the moment." He said, uh, "Well, can you do one for me? Because you start there on Monday." So, <laughs> so obviously someone had had a word. So, yeah, fair so I, I backdoored the system a little bit, <laughs> yeah. and then I was in the CIB for about four years, and then I crossed the hall and went to the yep. Juvenile Aid Bureau, which is yeah, just yeah. like Kevin. All the back naughty to, kids that back no one again. else wanted. That's yeah. right. There we and go see, no matter circle. where I went, <laughs> and all the naughty boys and girls used to come to me. Yeah. And, uh, That's crazy,
0: yeah. isn't it, how that works. What was your favourite part in the in the force? What do you reckon was probably the best part that you in the years that you did it? <sighs> it was hard to pinpoint it.
1: There's all different things, I guess. Hey? Yeah, there's all sorts of yeah. I if I'd been I, I probably did myself a disservice in that I should have Finished a lot further up the tree mm-hmm. than I did. Yeah. I, I had an invite you don't get an invitation to go to the homicide squad very often. I had a couple of invites to go to the homicide squad. Property crime had an invite, a back yeah. door in there. Yeah. You know, not go through the system yeah, come yeah. down here, shag you're <clears> in. Uh, I I had an invite to go to detective training, which is probably where I should have gone. Yeah. And then I would have done three years there. Would have gone as a sergeant across to the academy, done the care bear stuff, looking after the oh, recruits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Five or six years there, you go up to senior sergeant, and then a couple of years before you retire, retire for your service to the academy, they'll bump you up to an inspector or whatever. Oh, wow. Would have, yeah. would have improved me super, but yeah. I, there's no fucking way in the world I wanted to spend eight to four every day living in Brisbane, so I, yeah. no, I wasn't doing that. So, <laughs> Fair enough. So basically, being a detective on the street was... Was the best part. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did it for 20-plus years, so I suppose... Yeah, I guess so. Eh? Yeah. That, that makes um,
0: sense. And plus, I guess it sounds like you you probably got a bit more out of... Yeah, thriving, oh, a bit more doing that stuff as opposed to... I did to have a bit of a
1: talent for it in some ways yeah. in that, well, the, the boss from Homicide said, you need to come down here, he said, because you can talk to people. He said, yeah. like, I can't teach that to people. He said, yeah. you got no idea yeah. how hard it is... To find someone that can talk to anybody mm. and get stuff back. Yeah, it's funny that you it? know. He said, "You just have a talent that I can't teach people." I I want you down here, and I said, "Nah, I'm not coming down there." Yeah, but uh, the and the fact that I used to treat people. If you ever want to find the sourest old bastard in the whole world, yeah, you need to find a copper that went through the uh, the cadet system. Now, yeah, what, what used to happen is at grade 10 you would finish school, you would go to the uh, headquarters. yeah, uh, And you would do some filing, do menial jobs and shit, and you would do your grade 12 through the police service. Oh, yes, yep. And then when you hit 20, they gave you a fat sergeant and a trungeon and said, get out on the street and walk the beat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then a year later, they'd ship you off somewhere in the state. Yeah. Now, those people from the time they were fifteen, knew coppers and cunts. That's it. <laughs> and if you True. if you weren't a copper, then you were the other one. <laughs> and, and and they're the ones you you couldn't walk into a party without. Yeah. If that's cars registered.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, got long okay. hair.
1: I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> yeah. You're not talking to my daughter, and. And the only people ever dealt with in their life was police. So yes. so if you're not police, then you're a potential offender and we don't yes. want to know you. Yes. Fortunately, I didn't become a cop until I was like thirty-five or thirty-six and yes. I had mates who were fishermen and Yeah. Uh, you know, I I had a wide I didn't have many friends that were school teachers. So I had a wide variety of friends and I'd seen a lot more of the world before you did it. And I learnt very quickly you don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. And that's probably one of the most positive things that that I carried into the police force when I started was yeah. I treated people as people. Yeah. And I didn't automatically assume things and I didn't treat them like shit until they didn't want to talk to me. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and I... I very rarely arrested anyone that didn't thank me for it. People. No, they used no, I to say thank would. you very much. Yeah, no, they probably they probably, thank, felt probably, probably be, a bit. I'd a bit be relieved. walking out of the watch house and <clears throat> someone would have a couple of charge seats and they'd go, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, righto, you take care. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. And uh, they used to, usually they spit on you out the jail. Most yeah. of them had waved to me because I've put most of them in there. They, hey boss, what are you doing in here? Oh, I got a few people interview. Hey, but it's not me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I yeah, I, uh, I put a lot of those. Yeah, they still, still, I I'd be walking through Wally Woolies and the and go, who's that? Someone to walk up? Oh, just a rapist. I arrested one. Oh, Drug geez. dealer yesterday. Yeah, you know, how come they talk to you? I said, oh, I got no idea. Hey boss, how are you? Doing well now. Been off the gear for six months now. I, and I just go, and oh, no, they, people still talk to me. I just. I probably wanted that sense out of out approval out. from you. Yeah, well, and possibly the other thing I learnt very early is you don't promise shit and then don't deliver. Yeah, okay. I know people used to come in to talk to me that didn't talk to the coppers, and it was simply because I never promised them something. That yeah. Way. yeah. Well, I'll get bail for my boss. I said, that. Nah. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure. Yeah. Other people had yeah. promised some bail and. Yeah, and I changed my mind them. now. No, you know, And they'd never trust the coppers again. But I treated them fairly. Yes, and that doesn't mean I didn't nail them to the wall. Oh but, yeah, but, but and probably honestly, I treated like people, and that's yeah. I had a great deal of respect from a lot of people just simply because I treated people like people. I think. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not.
0: There's a there's a good there's a yarn that my old man always tells me, and it was a it was a car accident that you guys attended to. Cause I'm sure you used to you used to cross paths with the old boy quite a lot.
1: Yes, I know well. <laughs> yeah, know Grant well.
0: There was one story there where he because in the in the vans they had the um they had the police batch, like they had the the they tuned it into the station. Yeah, that, and they, you were you were attending the scene, and you must have been you're heading there, and the old boy was in the van, and he's noticed that there's a cop car up in front. So he sped up to you and was right up your ass on the way to the scene. And the stations radioed through to you guys or whatever. Hey, uh, you know, have you heard from The Undertaker or have you seen The Undertaker? And he goes, uh, and then you've actually gone over and said, yeah, um, I know where he is. And they're like, oh, yeah, how do you know that? Because he's right up my ass. <laughs> 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 and, and that's what – and he heard that and then so he's backed off because he <laughs> – he heard that, so and that was just a great – uh one of those stories that i uh that he always always tell.
1: I'll tell you a little story about yeah. an undertaker. We used to have the government undertaker prop in to visit us at a certain station in Brisbane, yeah, or in the brisbane area yeah, and one day we picked up one that had to go to the John Tong centre, oh, yeah. of course we'd have to go in and sign them in, we'd yep. have to attend at the all usual practice. He didn't close the door very well oh. and fortunately it was about it's just first lights about up past yeah. five in the morning, up Rogan Road in the middle of Brisbane, the back doors of the Ford panel van fly open oh, no. and this trolley covered in this purple cover comes out and starts careering down the street, oh, no. hits the gutter. Oh, no. That was a bit of a 720 and lands with a thump on the footpath. Oh no. I've got the lights and sirens on and hitting the horn. Yeah. And Peter finally wakes up and comes to a screechy halt and he goes, What, what? I said, Have a look in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking axe. I said, About. Back the car oh, up no. about four hundred metres. Yeah, yeah, we going to get back. And we very quickly it was absolutely you wouldn't believe anywhere in Brisbane no. that there would be no one around. But, yeah, just but happened to be there was absolutely not not another car on the road, no one around. Yep. So we very quickly flipped the trolley over. <laughs> I and shut I'm shut the door. I'm just hoping when he got to the Borg and he, I don't know what this one. Had, I think I think it was a traffic accident. Yeah. But but if he died of a heart attack, they might want to know why he's got a broken neck and a broken <laughs> arm. Well, That's I don't the know. thing, isn't yeah, it? I don't, like, know. Anyway. I don't know what damage was done. Was all, was but, was but all these injuries say, post-mortem? I must say he landed like a drunken. He wasn't complaining when we've put him <laughs> no, back on the trolley. But it, yes. It'd
0: be pretty ironic if it was yeah. a car
1: accident. It'd be like, that's like, two accidents in a row, poor bastard. Yes. Yeah, he, he did have two accidents in a row. Yeah, I, know, I think it was bastard. a car accident. Oh, but, shit. yes, yes, it was a most unfortunate. I didn't let Peter live that right for no, some time. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't either. Yes, <laughs> Holy he, shit. He asked me to forget about it several times. I went, mean, nah, not a hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Holy, that's a that's an epic one. That one, eh? That's one of my. That was always one of our biggest fears, eh? That <laughs> you would lose one. Yeah, that all that. Yeah, that the door would fly open. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't yes. shut the back of it properly. Because you see, you, you see get that every little and yeah.
1: staple as well to oh, like double up.
0: Shit, yeah, yeah. Because yes. uh, you, yes. I've seen you've seen I've seen videos and and. Uh, Photos of that over the years, you see, yeah. you seen them all over Well, the like moment. I said,
1: yes, they're the sort of things that happen in the movies. If I yeah, ever, that's right. Yeah. If I ever wrote a book, people are going, "No nah, nah, bullshit, right. you're making yeah. this up." Yeah. And oh, look, there's so many incidents over the years that yeah, you, you you've hit one, and then you go, oh, and then there was that other time, and then there was just, <laughs> yeah. and you just go, oh shit, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Every day could be a crazy day. Some yeah. of them were very standard. I guess that's been an exciting part of the job in itself, isn't yeah. it? Like you're saying, you know. And things like the myth of the full moon is not a myth. Mm. It's true. Yeah. Oh, I, I could imagine it would be. Try to get overtime out of the police force like getting blood out of a stain, but they once <laughs> paid me four hours overtime on a, on a uh, full moon because in a single, I think there were only two of us working, yeah. in a single shift, I took four people in four different trips to the lock ward at Winston Abel. Really? Yes. Wow! I can still remember one of them, Wayman, at me with their little lime green, lime green pyjamas, looking out through the little thing. <laughs> You'll come back and visit, will Not likely. <laughs> yes, but I took, I took God, I took uh, the fellow that used to take his goat for a walk along the <laughs> forefront every morning. I took a lady who had a man sitting on a cupboard, and I took a Falkland Islands pilot. Apparently, but I don't think he'd ever been in a plane in his life. But all four of he was flying all right. I said, You don't need a plane, Sunshine. You're flying right (laughs) now. Yeah, took them off and dropped them off the lockboard at Winston Noble. And that's where they uh, stayed for some time, apparently. A couple of spoons. Yes, but lots of spoons. Lots of spoons. (laughs) As a matter of fact, they used to call me the spoon whisperer for a while because. that's – I think that's the school teaching thing too in dealing with difficult people. Ah, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. They – if there was a spoon whispering to be done, they'd go, get shag and I would go out and someone that was going to neck themselves or yeah. do something stupid or send shag in there or them and they'd go, you're the come. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was exceptional at spoon whispering. I was renowned for it. Oh, yeah? Yes, and nuts that I – I didn't particularly appreciate it sometimes but I was a master spoon whisperer and they also used to give me all the difficult children that no one else wanted to work with. If we had any problem children in the office that needed to be straightened out, they'd become my permanent apprentice for for six months before they unleashed them on the public unguarded. So, yes, I I had my uses. That's why I could probably be irreverent and do that you'd have an inspector storm downstairs, who the fuck did this? And everyone would be running for cover and then someone would go, well, I think that was Shag. And he'd go, well, fuck And they just go back upstairs. <laughs> they, they, they didn't bother because they knew I wouldn't give a shit. Yeah, and course. more importantly, if they upset me, who would they have Who's to do to all do the, Who would they have to do all those odd ones that no one yeah. else knew how to do That's or right. could do? And yeah. They, yeah. And they needed a spoon whisperer and they needed someone to <laughs> – to guard the <laughs> kindergarten children that were police officers and things like that, so, so I was useful. Let's uh, <clears throat> so this
0: this poem, this poem that you got um, that you brought with you. Now this one is this the one that you're telling us about? It sums it up. It yeah, sums up that. Which is, one? Which one did you want to read? Or oh, you can read both of them.
1: I can tell you the story of this one if you like. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you the story of Skippy Ride. Yeah. Left. Good. <laughs> All right. There was an old sergeant that used to work at. You probably know Sergeant Hall, Ian Hall. Yes. Great, great yes. big Scotsman, big as a house. He'd been yep. 32 stone. Lovely fella. Yeah. Didn't tolerate idiots easily. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if you ever knew that Hawley had a, uh, a Honda 400 okay. motorcycle. Yeah. Now, it would have been the greatest advertisement for a motorcycle that Honda could possibly have had because Hawley had that for years and he used to wear it like a tampon because he was enormous and he had this tiny little bike and it never gave up on him. But one day I turned up at work and he said, Shaq, he said, come and have a look at me bike. And I said, I've seen your bike. He said, no, 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 no. Now, being a Scotsman, he was quite frugal in his ways, so to get the cheaper registration, he'd just cut the seat in half. yeah or it made it a single one. Oh, a single one, yeah, yep. And, of course, underneath it was just black pipes and shit. Yeah. So Hawley, on this day, said, I found some fire engine red at Bunnings. He said, come and see what I've done to me bike. So he's actually sprayed from behind the seat with this fire engine red to match the rest of the bike and thought it looked a picture. It still looked like a bike that someone had cut half the seat off to me, but... But it was red and matched <laughs> the rest of us. Now, he was as proud of punch on it. About a day later, I was – I must have been working 2 to 10. I can't know because then I, I must have been working 2 to 10 and going over and working 10 to 6. I think it might have been one of those yeah. lead-on shifts. And the PLOs come in at about 6 or 7 o'clock and go, Shag. Bring you lunch today, did you? I said, always bring me lunch. He said, nah, outside the back door, go and have a look. And there was a dead kangaroo outside the side door of the, the police station. Yeah. Now, after a bit of research, I found out what had occurred. Stan Lean and Deb Lennox from Mount Morgan were coming down the range and they came across these couple of German tourists that had either hit the kangaroo or it was been hit by a car and they'd stopped and this thing's flopping around on the ground and Stan's sort of going, yeah, right we'll look after it, off you go. And they go, but, but what will you do? Will you take it to a vet or something? Will it be all right? <laughs> um finally, Deb Lennox has decided a bit of HVLT was appropriate, a bit yeah. of high-velocity lead therapy. <laughs> so she said, no, listen, I think, it's, uh, I think we're just going to have to put it out of its misery. So she's taken out the old 357 and gone bang and Skippy's gone to Valhalla (laughs) and then they went to climb back in the car and fuck off because they're bringing paperwork for court and stuff back to the Rockhampton Courthouse and the Germans go, you cannot leave it here? And they've gone, oh, shit. So they thrown it in the back of the watch house truck and now when they got to Rockhampton, they went, what am I going to do with this kangaroo? So they just left it by the door. Yeah. (laughs) Now, somehow during the night, that kangaroo has come to life again. Oh, no. And has climbed up onto Hawley's bike. Oh, no. And put a bungee cord round itself and (laughs) hold it to the sissy bar. So there's this kangaroo sitting on Hawley's brand new paintwork like this with its legs down either side and a bungee cord round and holding it on the back of the bike. Well... I don't know how word got round, but usually at 6 o'clock in the morning, after you've been on night shift, if you walk out to the car park and you're two minutes late, you, it's like being in the middle of the desert. Everything's gone. gone. <laughs> yep. Well, on this particular day, there would have been 30 people loitering in the car park, and none of them looked like they wanted to go home. Well, Hawley came out and saw the marsupial mounted on his bike and he had a cat. He just went every shade of purple under the sun. And then just to make it work, Greg Jones from the PCYC yeah. drove past in his avocado green terrata and stopped and went, Hawley, you can't go home like that. He said, fuck off, I can't. He said, it's got no helmet. And then he just <laughs> drove off. And Hawley was going to have Everyone crucified. He was going to get the inspector, ring the commissioner, and anyway, it took about a week and a half to die down. And I actually wrote a poem about that incident, (laughs) and a framed copy was presented to Hawley, and apparently was still on his land room wall when he died. Was it really? Yes. Oh wow. So I shall. uh, That's the story of Skippy's last ride, and I shall read you the poem if, if it. Yes, please doesn't upset you too much. No. I'm sure we'd love to hear it. And this is entitled, Skippy's Last Ride. I'll tell you a story of daring do, of police and motorcycles and marsupials too, A Skippy who came to paint the town red, of native animals that ended up dead. It happened one night, when all was still, of fun and frivolity. Skippy had had his fill, to a police station he wanted, as if on a whim but something befell him with consequences grim. He was found the next morning in circumstances comical, the details of which I shall attempt a chronicle. It seems in the dead of night he arrived not too well and so chose the sergeant's bike as his ticket to hell. How he <laughs> mounted the steed, method unknown. He was, however, discovered seated, not prone, secured round the girth by octopus straps with legs by exhaust pipes like a cowboy in chaps. <laughs> The sergeant came out to his bike to Wendy's way home. It was then that he noticed he wasn't alone. Hawley studied the scene and stood there aghast, and from the station they filtered and pushed their way past. There seated on the velocipede, the great sergeant's wheels, was the marsupial who'd recently turned up its heels. Then Jones made observation and said something snide. Can't take him home like that. Needs a helmet to ride. (laughs) Well, as you could imagine from this description of the folly, this damn near made Sergeant Hall do his lolly. If Skippy wants to ride, then Skippy, that's tough. I'm not taking you home. I have family enough. With situation inflammable, Skippy was quickly dethroned and dumped in the car park while the sergeant went home. Shag ran the council, who then quickly dispatched. A truckload of workers and Skippy was snatched. Where the dearly departed was laid, it wasn't revealed, but he travelled by truck, not on two wheels. <laughs> and if you think he's forgotten, then why around the clock, he's shag at the counter on marsupial watch.
0: <laughs> the story oh, of Skippy's last ride.
1: <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> now, it's tradition when you have a send-off, everyone comes to tell you the greatest bloke on earth as usual. Yeah. And somewhere at the end of that send-off or in the middle of it, they'll get you up to say a few words. Make a speech, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually wrote a poem for my send-off, which uh, I—it's just a bit of a reflection on my career. Yeah, beautiful. So I'll read that off to finish for you. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Reflections on my career. I like to think I made a difference, but that probably isn't true. I go to morning briefing and the world is still a zoo. But please don't think I'm jaded. It's the nature of the game. You chase your tail and try to catch it. And 25 years later, it's just the same. We are a reactive agent. When it happens, that's when we do. We cannot make it happen, although bosses want us to be prophets too. We turn up each morning knowing not what to expect. But regardless of what ridiculous things happen, we turn up to serve and protect. And sometimes we are not appreciated and sometimes the public expect more. And sometimes the QPS goes on a witch hunt when best is not good enough and it cuts you to the core. But you turn up the next morning, check email and talk some trash. But not too long do you dally. There are idiots in the mall and criminals to catch. The missus sometimes hated the police force, but I guess she understood. They had to turn up and keep going because I felt I was doing good. And sometimes I was useful... Although I never climbed too far up the promotional tree, when they wanted something sorted or spoons whispered, they often sent for me. I've seen my share of dead babies and attended the odd rumble in the street, and in court I've done battle and met with triumph and defeat. I've seen things on computers that would make normal people sick, and I've seen man's humanity to man and wondered what made some people tick. I've seen a myriad of changes, and some that and some of them do fit. Some have made an enormous difference and some, like Q Prime, are just shit. I've seen examples of lateral thinking and bravery extreme and I've seen the same good people stumble and create a nightmare from a dream. I've seen good men and women by the job eaten and into an abbess throne. I'm luckier than most because I never carried anything that happened to me home. The in-betweens were what was important, the day-to-day things that I found... Were the things that made the difference. Finding a missy kid, missing kid or cuffing a dickhead on the ground. And now it's time to leave and I think I've had enough. No more, denying, no more need to mind other people's business or turn up looking tough. People ask me will I miss it and will I be alright. I don't think it will worry me. The future's looking bright. I tell you what I will miss. It's the people I worked with along the track being part of the much larger family and knowing someone always had your back. See, the police are still a family and the blue culture is not dead. I have brothers and sisters in the organisation with whom I've cried and with whom I've bled. And I look forward every, nearly every day to working with my mates because all the cruelty, injustice and sadness good company negates. And if I could make a flag of my career, when the flag would be unfurled, it would say in great big letters, "I worked with the best people in the world."
0: Oh, mate, that's beautiful! What a way to finish it off for your for uh, for a, for a speech, you know, for the finish of your career. Beautiful, absolutely fantastic.
1: It was appropriate at the time. I think
0: so, mate. Definitely. Yes, no, it was beautiful, and what a way to finish that off, too, mate. I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's awesome to awesome to hear that. So. And thank you so much for those stories too, mate.
1: That was fantastic, hey? it really was. It's unbelievable, you know. Um, the, un- the unfortunate parties will probably have another million. It's well, that's terrible.
0: It. That's it. That's exactly right, you know. Ups and downs, like you're saying, in the words too, you know. That's only just a snippet of some of the things that you would
1: have experienced yeah. over the years, mate. So. Well, thank you very much for your kind no. patience. <laughs> no, yes, and. Uh I appreciate and it. And as I said to you, I don't know why you wanted me to cover you. I'm sure there's a lot more people more interesting than no, me. No, mate. I love yeah. it. Thank you so much. And uh
0: you know, one day if you're if you're free again, we'd love to have you back on, mate, and share some more stories.
1: So Right, a brother of a slosh. You <laughs> oh, go awesome. gently into the day. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thank you so much, Shane. Over and out. <laughs> Cheers.